Well, welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Bamboo Lab podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brian Bosley. And for the better part of the past 26 years, I've had the distinct pleasure of coaching and working alongside of the world's top performers. And here what we do is we bring those ideas and their wisdom, experience, and their, and their ideas directly to you. Do you feel sometimes that you're stuck on that hamster wheel of life and you're spinning, but you're not going in the direction or the pace you'd like? Well, if so, you've landed in the right spot. This Bamboo Lab podcast is created and broadcast all just for you, all you strivers, thrivers, and survivors out there. Well, today I want to give a few uh, updates. We are currently being followed avidly and growing on six continents in 25 countries, 47 states, and several hundred cities across this great nation of ours. I want to read one heart letter out today from a, one of our avid followers, and she said, I love your podcast. I want you to know I think this is what you were born to do. Well, I always thought I wanted to be a stuntman when I was younger, so at least I found some kind of calling that I can I can thrive for. And before we get started, to who, real quite frankly, introducing one of the guests that was on my short list back in December when I started putting this together, I want to dedicate this podcast to a gentleman of man of wisdom, Mr. Roy Gear. Mr. Gear was a man of wisdom, as I said, a thought leader. He was a co-author of many of the books that. Our amazing guest here wrote, he was the founder of the Witty Wiffy process in theory. Mr. Gear passed away on March 8th of 2017 and left behind many friends, followers, fans, and students that have continued to carry on his words of wisdom. This one's for you, Roy. Let's dissect. All right, so I got to share with the audience when Dave Dick back in November of 2021 said, Brian, you need a podcast. Your, your message is too, too big for the audience you have. I said, okay. He said, put together a list of people. Instantly, I put five people down. And this guest today, Mr. Doug Linick, was on that short list. And finally, here in August of 2022, I got to crack through his incredibly busy schedule. And he's gracing our presence today. Before I introduce him directly, I want to share a little bit about Doug. And I have some personal stories, too, that Doug may or may not remember. But Doug is the CEO and co-founder of Think to Perform. Many of you may remember Ray Kelly in one of our previous episodes. Ray Kelly is one of the uh, adamant uh, leaders and uh, members of Think to Perform as well. Doug is a legendary man for his innovative approach to developing high performance in individuals and organizations, and he's an expert at developing practical applications of the art and science of human behavior, financial and otherwise. He's a certified financial planner, but he was the executive vice president for American Express Financial, which now is Ameriprise Financial, and that's how I met Doug for the first time. And in that capacity, he led an organization of 17,000 field and corporate associates to incredible success. He has co-authored multiple books, and there are so many of them here, I had to actually write them down. One is my favorite, though, Doug. It, many of his books that he's authored or co-authored are Moral Intelligence, Financial Intelligence, How to Make Smart Values-Based Decisions with Your Money and Your Life, Moral, Moral Intelligence 2.0, How to Get What You Want and Remain True to Yourself, Leveraging Your Financial Intelligence, and my favorite, which I have a copy in my hand that is almost 30 years old, The Simple Genius You. Doug and his wife, Beth Ann, reside in Edina, Minnesota, and they have three children, Joan, Mary, and Alan. But before I even go into more, Doug is, in November of 2000, Doug was honored by, the, by Columbia University Center for Social and Emotional Education, and he's a fellow at the Carlson Executive Development Center, Carlson School of Management and University of Minnesota. He is also a member of the prestigious Consortium of Research on Emotional Intelligence and Organizations. Woo! You know, all of that, Ooh. that's a lot, Mr. <laughs> Linick. So, well, Doug, I just want to take this time to tell you it's a, the greatest of honor to finally get to say, Doug, welcome to the Bamboo Lab podcast. Hey, Brian, thank you. I've been looking forward to this. I was hurt that I didn't get to come on earlier. Well, you, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing I want to do is hurt Doug Linick's feelings. <laughs> Well, I'm so excited I'm a, to share I'm some a of the sensitive nineties kind of guy <laughs> so. I'm looking forward to sharing a couple of the stories that, that I have shared one on the air prior, but I have a couple of stories that how you impacted my life and my career and probably unbeknownst to you. But 
Before we get started, I know a lot about you because I got the chance to meet you back when I was a young training manager with American Express Financial back in the 90s. I got to meet you a couple times and they were great honors that I never forgot. But and I followed you religiously over the course of the past 30 years. But my audience needs to know a little bit about who Doug is. Can you share with us? Who's Doug Linick? Uh, well, you know, yes, I, I often refer to myself as the simple guy from North Dakota. I was, uh, was born in North Dakota and I lived early part of my life in, uh, in North Dakota. My family moved to, uh, Southwestern Minnesota when I was in high school. Uh, but I went to, uh, one of the weird things that actually contributed to, both some good things and some bad things relative to how I've, uh, how I have become who I am today. Uh, but I went to eight different schools, uh, from grades one through 12. Uh, and so I moved around a lot and that both, uh, contributed to me gaining some self-confidence, but it also, uh, contributed to me dealing with the trauma of uh and, and so some of that was bad some of that was good but there's there's trauma associated with moving around all the time but there's benefits too and so i'm that guy so i grew up there i my um my uh grandfather was an immigrant um essentially uh from odessa uh so now odessa has been in the news because of everything going on in the ukraine and and in russia uh, but my grandfather and his family at that time, he was a boy then. They uh, immigrated to the United States, ended up settling in uh, Hebron, uh, North Dakota, spelled like Hebron. Okay. Uh, and legend has it is our great ancestry were Jewish people that were exiled by the czar kind of the story of Fiddler on the Roof, which interestingly, uh, later in life, uh, my, well, uh, many years after that uh, uh, immigration, uh, that migration occurred, uh, my son actually played Tevye in Fiddler on the Roof, and he subsequently married a Jewish woman and converted to Judaism, but the word is, is that our family originally was Jewish, and so... That's an interesting fact. That's who I am. I don't know. <laughs> so, I, so I ended up in, in North Dakota and eventually Minnesota. We grew up, you know, in, in a modest, you know, I lived in a little town. My sister and I um, shared the same bedroom until I was in, the, I think the, we didn't get to have separate bedrooms until I was in the fourth grade and, uh, and she was in the seventh grade and my, you know, there were just two of us. My mother was the 11th of 21 children. So that's kind of an interesting thing that not a lot of families that big. Um, and I, when I started school, I had two uncles and two aunts in school with me. So there you go. 11 of 22 children. 21. Well, there 20. were 22 actually. But one went, one died at birth, so they that that baby didn't get counted. Okay, wow. but it was there were there were twenty two births. Wow, you'd never hear of that anymore. I don't know that I've ever heard of well, that, Doug. <laughs> yeah, well, my grandfather was a sharecropper. Uh, my dad, or uh, my mother's dad, and these were all farmhands. This was uh, basically, and and the way it worked with my family until. Um, you know, like when I started school, the, the younger, um, the younger laps, that was a lap family, uh, were allowed to go through high school. But, uh, the, prior to that, my mother included my mother being the 11th of the 21, uh, she was allowed, the girls were allowed to go to school for eight years and the boys only four. Okay. Because the boys could go to work in the, on the farm sooner, or or so my grandpa thought, and so that was uh, that's where where we came from. And my my paternal grandfather, who migrated to Hebron, um, he worked on the railroad, and 
interestingly, he was one of the uh, people. He was they were German uh, of German descent, living in Odessa. Uh, but when he came and ultimately joined the military, he served in the U.S. Army in a German unit. And my grandpa could not speak English, and that whole unit of people—they were fighting the Germans in World War One, and they, it was a German-speaking group fighting a German, the German army. So, and when I, my dad started school, um, you know, he couldn't uh, speak English. When I started school, they wouldn't let us speak German. So, you know, so it's an interesting. That's just a childhood life, but everybody that's listening to your podcast all over the world, they have their own stories, and and um, all of our stories shape us. You know, the, the, our our history shapes us into uh, influences us to be. I I don't believe in determinism, but I I do believe that we are heavily influenced by our DNA, by our you know, our ancestors by our environment. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you grew up, so you grew up sharing a bedroom with your sister. And that, that was very common. I know I shared a bedroom with two of my brothers, and but they were much older than I am. So I got, I finally got a bedroom to myself when my brother, who's 10 years older, went on to college and moved on. So, but when you grew up in that, you know, Coming from a grandfather who was a sharecropper, your mother was 11 of 21 children. You were born in North Dakota, but then you moved and you in eight schools from grade one to 12. You had some trauma with that. I mean, obviously, you gained self-confidence, but it's probably difficult to gain roots anywhere. So during all of that time of, of where Doug Linick was being formed and groomed into the man you are now, who was your greatest inspiration, Doug? Well, I would say, you know, actually my father uh was probably my greatest inspiration and you know when my dad uh my dad is, was was a very interesting guy much more uh versatile if you will than i i i was lucky to be born when i was because i've made a living talking <laughs> i actually can't do much my dad on the other hand uh was a brilliant guy but he was also gifted you know, like he built the house that we lived in. He uh, he built the furniture in the house that we lived in. You know, he was winning awards for, you know, from Popular Mechanics and Mechanics Illustrated for all of his capabilities with regard to that. He taught in a one-room schoolhouse. He taught all the grades in a one-room schoolhouse. Uh uh, and he became a banker and he kept changing. He kept looking for opportunities and he kept focusing on growing and trying to, to, to advance his career and make a better life for his family. And that's why we moved so often is he kept jumping around. So he went from teaching schools. He did auto body work. He did, uh, you know, he became an accountant. Uh, and, and I learned a lot just by being around him. Uh, so I would say probably my dad was my, my biggest hero growing up and, and my whole family, you know, my grandfather and, you know, the, I didn't get along well with my maternal, uh, grandfather. He died when I was very young, but we didn't have a great relationship when I was a little kid I think he got tired of kids by the time I was born <laughs> so, <laughs> so he already had 21 kids and yeah. uh and so uh but uh I hung around a lot with my uh the Lennox grandparents they interestingly they ended up the two families ended up living um one block apart so it's totally coincidental in this little town called Hebron Okay. So, so that so he was my hero. Well, I'm assuming you got most of your drive for constant, continuous personal development and your gift and your desire to learn from your father. You must have just seen that and kind of encompassed that as you watched him do so many different things. Yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, Brian, one of the things that uh, was interesting is my dad passed away in 2009. My mother died as a result of a car accident in 1996. 
But uh, prior to my dad's death a few years earlier, you know, he had said to me, Doug, if I predecease you, which he did, I'm still alive. Uh, he said, if I predecease you, I would like you, I would like to be cremated and uh, buried next to your mother. I'd like my urn to be buried next to your mother. And I want on my uh, gravestone, I would like you to write the words, and yet I am still learning. And and so uh, it's interesting. And I'm actually sitting here in my office, and there is a piece of art. I'm going to see if I can grab it real quickly. Please do. Uh, and it was by Goya. That was given to me. Somebody heard me give a speech and talk about this. And it's called On Apprendo, which essentially means, uh, and yet I'm still learning. And sorry about that. I have to take a look at that. I uh, And somebody that heard me speak, in fact, the collaborative writer of some of my books was listening to my conference speech she was not attending in person but rather virtually and sent me this piece of art it's just unbelievable but it it's it really represents how i think about things and and yet i am still learning and and i continue to really be uh, be blessed by that lesson from my dad i love that statement and yet i am still learning and that's on your father's tombstone, right? Engraved on it? Yes. Yes. That's, that's remarkable. I think I found the title for today's podcast. Because I think and that that, enc- that encompasses <laughs> everything I know about you as well, Doug. That's wonderful. What a role model well, to have. thank you. Well, thank you to yeah, Mr. I mean, Linick for, yeah. for making a man, inspiring a man that has become who you are today. That's fantastic. Well, there's good and bad about me, but, you know, we, we all have, <laughs> we have that. Well, I, I only see the good, Doug. <laughs> and you, you've gone through a lot in your career. You've been around in this industry of, of finance and then professional and personal development, cultural development, and created so many amazing concepts and theories and strategies. Over the past three years, as our country in the world has gone through the COVID and the pandemic and the social distancing, what do you think has been your greatest learning during that time period, Doug? Well. Uh, I would say one of the things that that happened as a result of of COVID is the way in which we conduct uh, business changed, and I, I I learned that you could go faster than you thought. You know, some things that I thought would take years, you had to make happen in months. So I, I learned that I could. Uh, accelerate my own growth and the growth of our of our business, and uh, and that was that was encouraging. Uh, I you know, and there's a few other things that I'm I'm learning. One one of my uh, more recent repeated statements that is getting a little bit of traction. I hope uh, your listeners find this beneficial. But I am learning that there is no end to better. Uh, you know, I, you know, when years ago I had the opportunity to, when my book, uh, when the book Fred Keel and I wrote Moral Intelligence came out in 2005, um, and that book was, was, you know, you've got listeners across the world. Uh, That book's been published in 13 languages, and I hope some of your listeners have had a chance to read it in their native language, uh, rather than English. Um, but when I met Jim, uh, my book had come out, his book had come out from good to great. And we were speaking at a, a CEO, uh, a conference for bank CEOs, uh, somewhere in like Indian Wells or somewhere like that. And I got to spend, uh, some time with Collins and he had, you know, wrote the book from good to great. It's a terrific book. And I, I got a lot out of talking with him in addition to uh, what he says in, in that book. But what I've been learning in these last three years is going from good to great is wonderful, 
but there's no end to better. So I don't know if I'm going to write the book, but in my head, I'm thinking from good to great to better Mm, is as long as, as everyone accepts, there is no end to better. There is the progress, not perfection is what I see because there is no perfect. There is the best in class, but there's no perfect because if, if I was the genie in a lamp and, and you were to, uh, possess the lamp and then you would pull me out of the lamp by rubbing the however they do that in the, um, in the lamp thing they rub the lamp and out comes the genie and out I pop and I grant you a wish at the end of the first day of you living in the world you wished for you will notice that this could be better mm-hmm. that, you know and, and you've probably heard me say this years ago as I used to say it all the time, is uh, the human condition is such that we will always see problem and opportunity in our circumstance. And that's a gift. If we accept it as a gift, if we accept that we are our, our nature, our, our nature as human beings is to always see both what's wrong and what could be there's there there's always a problem and all you can do in life all i can do in my life is improve my problems i will never be problem free because i will be able to see the problems and the opportunities in whatever circumstance i'm in and the older i get the more i am learning how true that is and i really like the fact that you're using that word learning uh, because knowing is the enemy of learning. And so one of the things I am learning is to try to avoid saying I know too much (laughs) Mm -hmm. because once I, once I declare, I know it, then I'm shutting myself, myself off from learning more about it. And, and there's always more to learn. And and I, I don't remember who, where it came from but if you can imagine this in fact all your listeners can do this right now if you have a piece of paper in front of you put a dot right in the paper and imagine that in that dot is everything that you know and the edges of the dot touches that space around the dot of things you know you don't know you think oh here's some stuff i don't know i must learn And so we learn that stuff that touches our dot and we convert our dot into a circle and everything we know is in that circle, but everything we know we don't know touches the circle. And now we expand the circle again and again and again and again. And when you get to my age, I'm now 70 years old. I am now really aware there's a whole heck of a lot. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I, I know, I know quite a bit, uh, or I know a lot, uh, I know about some stuff, uh, but there is a lot I don't know. And, and, and that's a gift. And that's why the human appetite for growth is insatiable. I, I cannot get enough. I want to keep growing. Knowing is the enemy of learning. And yet I'm still learning. There is no end to better. Those are some of my greatest thoughts these days. And Doug, this is exactly why you were on my short list at the beginning of my podcast career. I want to encapsulate real quickly some of the things Doug said for the audience in the Bamboo Lab podcast out there. And there's not going to be any particular order because I have now filled up a piece of paper and I pulled up another one. So I, I think what, what I got out of this, quite frankly, was what Doug just capsulated himself is knowing is the enemy of learning. If you did that dot exercise and expanded that circle, you'll get it. I did it on a, on a sticky note here that I'm going to I'm going to revamp that again when we get done today. I think that's amazing that that there is no end to better. We're, you know, I think a lot of us out there get so disgruntled and discouraged and we, we, we tend to see problems that we face or setbacks as 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 failure, failure in reality. We're not trying to 
we're not trying to achieve perfection. We're just trying to make progress. We're that bamboo seed. We plant it every day and it grows a little bit, a little bit, a little bit every day. And finally, you get some exponential growth. But we're never going to reach that true, you know, or that true nirvana of life where everything is exactly the way we want. And yet, as his dad said, and yet I'm still learning every day. I just think, you know, having a, a father and a role model like Doug has had in his life, I would challenge all of you to look back on your role models of your life. Have we forgotten the messages that they they sent to us, the messages they delivered to us over the course of time? And yet, and again, who are you role modeling for? Who are the people out there that you can be like Doug's father was to him? Because it may be your child, it may be a, a grandson, it could be a friend, it could be a family member, it could be someone you work with that you can role model and teach them, even whether through your words or your actions. Because there is no end to better. And I love this. The human condition is such that we will always see problems and opportunities in our circumstances. And then what he said after that was what I got of it. And that is a gift. So sometimes when we see the opportunities in life, we see that as a gift. But also seeing the problems of life, that's a gift as well. So thank you so much, Doug. I love that. Oh, by the way, I should mention... This this was kind of funny when you were talking about the simple genius. You know, most of the simple genius, the most of that was, and it's for the um, for the listeners. It's a very simple book, and and the book is called the Simple Genius. You, you in parentheses. The reader is the genius, not the author. You are the genius. You, the listener, you are the genius. Because the genius in you is the person who has figured out that happiness is a state of mind, not a state of affairs. And and there are many happy people all over the world who uh, don't have what one would think of as terrific states of affairs. They just have the right state of mind. So as long as we honor our value system, as we live in alignment, with our values and with guiding principles, then we earn our happiness. And in that book, The Simple Genius You, most of that was written 46 years ago. Uh, I, you know, I was 24 years old when I wrote most of that book. And my intent when I wrote that book, and I find it it's in, wonderful to hear Brian, that you find it to be the favorites of the books that I've written. I appreciate that because I like it a lot too. But <laughs> it, it, it's, the, it's a lot of the wisdom that I wanted it to be timeless. And this particular book, oddly enough, has been having a recent resurgence. We're getting people ordering the book all the time. It's an easy read. I think that's part of it. It's, you know, it's short. Uh, and a lot of the lessons that I share and the various theories I advance in that book came from my childhood in, in North Dakota. But that book's 46 years old. My son is 46 years old. Well, I, my it, copy it was, wasn't published until eight, 1984. That's the copy that, that was published. That's the, I have the fourth printing, copyright 1984, in my hand. Yep, that was when it first came out, 1984, because I didn't publish it. Because I I didn't know for sure that the messages would be timeless. You know, I wa- I wanted to write a book where the messages would last, and and so I decided intentionally to sit on it for a while. Now I was already young; I was twenty four, and so I sat on it until I was thirty two. And I thought, well, I'm pretty old now, you know. And, and that's a wonderful thing about aging is we all have never been older than we are right now. And so there I was, age 32. I'd never been any older than that. I figured, all right, looks like this is something that people could use for many years. And I'm pleased to say now that it's 46 years old that the book is still sharing messages with people that are valuable uh, in 2022. Well, I want to share a real quick story with the audience because, Doug, you may not remember this, but it might have been, it was between five and six years ago. Um, I pulled this book back out, and I try to read it every year. Uh, I love the dish rag uh, concept of being dish ragged and dish ragging other people. I love the two bridge theory. 
and, and if you look, if we could, see, if the audience and you could see the inside of this book, Doug, it looks like a Swiss watch because I have, I have words and highlights and arrows and diagrams all over this thing. And so many of these, are, many of these are from my career as a training manager when I was con- uh, building this Market Pulse program at American Express back in the early '90s or mid '90s. But um, so, audience, several years ago, I wanted to get a copy of this book for Dawson, my son. And I really wanted an autographed copy. So I emailed Doug and I mentioned that to him. He said, he said, well, t- send us your address. And I did. And he sent in the e- um, in the mail an autographed autograph copy from himself to, to Dawson. And Dawson still has that book in his. He's got a very small library compared to mine. But he still has that book in his library and has read it as well. So um, he's coming home on Sunday for to go back to college. He's been living six hours away doing landscaping. So I'm going to have him pull that out while he's home for a week before he goes off to school. And we're going to read that book together again. <laughs> That's great. Where's he? going to school he goes to northern michigan university oh terrific so he only you tell dawson i said hi i will definitely well you just said it because he listens to the podcast (laughs) hi dawson glad you glad you read the book i hope you even liked it oh yeah he he, he did you know (laughs) he was a little younger than i was when i read it i was 23 when i first read it and when we became when we went into management at ameriprise financial under john hans's tutelage he said there are four books you have to you have to read one was atlas shrugged one was uh, leadership secrets of attila the hun one was seven habits of highly effective people and the other one is the simple genius you and I bought them all and yeah. read them right away. And this is this only one. Well, actually, that and Seven Habits. I still have that original copy as well. So yeah, you know, it was interesting uh, because uh, I, you know, I had the good fortune of knowing knowing Stephen Covey. And lately, we've been doing some work with uh, Stephen's uh, Seven Habits. Covey actually was kind enough to endorse the book Moral Intelligence because I met him in 1990. Uh, the book. Uh, the seven habits was published in 1989 and we actually had, uh, we were, uh, we hired Covey to speak at one of our conferences. And at that time I was relatively new to running the advisor business for, uh, what was then IDS. We hadn't changed to American express financial advisors and of course not Ameriprise, which it is today. But Covey and I had lunch after he spoke about seven habits and I was talking about the alignment model, which I know, Brian, you're very familiar Mm -hmm. with. And Covey made the observation that my alignment model parallels his private victory habits, that they're exactly the same thing and uh, different words saying the same thing. And, and then over the years, Covey and I had an opportunity to spend some time together. And, and when I, when Fred and I decided to write Moral Intelligence, I asked him if he would be willing to endorse the book. You know, and he was very, very generous and willing and endorsed our book, which I, I feel so, so blessed to have him had done that. Uh, and so it's, uh, it was very much an honor. But I, you know, he was just—he had such great wisdom, and and so it's kind of fun to to have you, you know, read that book because I'm doing some work with John Hans's group, and and we are in fact talking about the Seven Habits and the Simple Genius. To me, there have been <laughs> there are so many books, and I'm an avid reader, Doug, as you are, and and one of the things I've realized over the course of my past 26 years of coaching and speaking, and now podcasting, is that we don't have to continue to read new books all the time. Sometimes it's going back to the classics, the ones that really had an amazing impact on on our lives. And the simple genius, you seven habits of highly effective people, uh, the uh, Jonathan Livingston Siegel were three ones that were books that I really, even, even leadership secrets of of Attila the Hun. These are books I try to read every single year just to continue to keep that groundwork and that foundation established and not to forget the things that started me off on the path in which I'm on now. So yours is right up there. And I also have read moral intelligence and financial intelligence. And I just um, put how to get what you want to remain true to yourself in my cart on Amazon. So I'm going to continue my Doug Linux research and studies. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 
in the in the bucket of shameless self promotion. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> well, the pleasure is mine. <laughs> I I want to share one other story, and I because I have three or four stories of you, Doug, and I'm, the audience doesn't know this, and I know you and I talked about it in our pre phone call this at, before we we went recording today. But when I was a young, I think three months into my career as a financial advisor, with which was called IDS Financial Services back then, you would go to Chaska, Minnesota for. I think it was 10 days or something where we would learn yeah. all these amazing things. And then there was this one morning and I was, again, I was two or three months into my career. I was right out of college and they said, okay, tomorrow morning, seven o'clock, everybody meet at this location on this campus. And you're going to meet with, you're going to have daybreak with Doug. And I thought, what, what is daybreak? Why seven o'clock in the morning? Daybreak with Doug. And I remember, I can still remember, and of course, back then I was a fairly shy young man. I sat in the far right corner. And I remember when Doug came in and started talking, it was, you could drop a pin, you could hear a pin drop in the audience. And he spoke for an hour on just primal, just primal success habits. And then when you left, you got a cassette tape that was Daybreak with Doug. And for years, I would put that cassette tape in my car as I would drive north to visit my daughter or go home for the weekend to see my, my family, which was about four hours drive north for me. And I would listen to that over and over and over. And I have lost the tape in the course of time. And I wish I had a copy of that on tape or a cassette. I don't care if it's on eight track. I'll find a, a medium to play it on. But that that moment was such a was a defining moment. And hearing that voice of Doug, and you guys have all seen his cadence and the way he speaks is just so wise but yet so calming you know as bill williams said in our podcast a few weeks ago he is the true gentleman of character and so i do miss not having that tape in the in my in my car so if i can find a copy if anybody out there has a copy please email me at brian at bamboo lab 3.com i'll buy it from you or i'll dub it if you have it <laughs> well there you go well thank you i i you know there I, I'll check with Kay May. Do you, you remember Kay? Yes, I do. Kay's still working with me. Uh, this is our 43rd year together. Wow. Yes, I, <laughs> yeah. I'm so impressed with her follow-through. So, Kay May, thank you so much for getting this set up because your follow-through is impeccable. And I have a lot of follow-through experiences, some good, some bad. Yours was right there at the top. Doug, yeah. I have a question for you that I ask all my guests, and, and, and that is, over the course of your life, you said 70 years on the planet, and you've gone through so many amazing journeys what is the most difficult thing you, you've gone through in your life well the the most difficult thing for me was um when you know i was one of those guys that during you know after the pandemic hit and we started to not be working you know live and in person um and i'm a extrovert and being with people was always important to me and i ended up spending you know uh, about six weeks i'd be just before the the everything got shut down my wife and i had traveled down to um our home in the desert and, and we're in the palm springs area and um and i was down there also had some business in in scottsdale while we were there and then all this stuff started to happen and they shut down the tennis tournament that would have been there in Indian Wells. And I ended up, my wife ended up coming back. I ended up staying and I, you know, frankly, I became one of those guys uh, that had too much time on his hands. And I, I became one of those people that helped fuel liquor sales i drank too much and i i got to the point where i i you know started to develop speaking of habits i developed a habit of drinking and i eventually you know came to the realization with the help of my my family that i shouldn't drink anymore so i i had to quit quit drinking and probably the most difficult thing was to discover that a lot of you know when you when you start getting afflicted by something like alcohol or, or I imagine could be drugs, but, um, uh, but in my case was alcohol that, um, that you can lose your, your, your sense of direction a little bit. Mm -hmm. and that's when I started to realize that living in alignment is not a lifetime achievement award. 
I mean, I, I have lived in, I've lived 70 years and I've been in alignment the vast, vast majority of those years and the days within the years where I'm aligning my behaviors, I'm behaving consistent with my goals and consistent with my values. What I found is uh, when I was drinking, I, I kind of lost direction. I continued to say the same things and I could continue to, to teach, but my own direction got lost. And so the use of these tools, that all the things that I have been teaching others, I developed originally to deal with me, you know, and then I passed them on to other people. And I found that all of those tools are the things that became uh, my sense of getting back on track. So I, I now, and I, I know for sure, because I've both been in alignment and I've been out of alignment. I know for sure that the tools work, that if we pay attention to ourselves out of self-awareness, we can make better decisions. If we make better decisions, we can align ourselves. We can manage ourselves better. And if we manage ourselves better, we will have better relationships with other people. And I am, I am so energized right now and I am feeling so good about where I'm at. And I am realizing I'm a lot younger at age 70 than I thought I would be. And I'm enjoying uh, my learning and I'm enjoying being a student, a teacher, you know, a, a practitioner. You know, I always talk about student, practitioner, teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and I encourage all of us to be all three of those. You are, Brian. You are somebody who studies all this stuff, but you practice it. You're not just interested in it from a book. You're interested in it for practical application. So you use this stuff and, and then you become a teacher. So, and one of the best ways to learn is to teach. So that was probably my darkest days of my life. You know, the, now some of the most disappointing days were things like, the death of my mother and things like that. But the, but the worst part of my life, no question about it was when I was drinking too much and I, and I lived my whole life without drinking too much. You know, so it was, so it's easy to fall down in a, in a, get in a, you know, everybody wants to be in a groove. No one wants to be in a rut. And what I don't want is to have, um, you know, anything be a rut for me. including drinking. And so that was the toughest time. That was a great question. I don't know if my answer works. I I am so uh, honored that you were so transparent with that. I think it goes back to what you said earlier. It's about progress, not perfection. I know for a fact that I, too, during COVID, in the social distancing, the quarantine, you know, raising my son, he was a junior and senior, and he told me, Dad, you drank a lot during that time. And, you know, it's one of those things I didn't realize. I was sitting home, and I'd be on the phone with friends, and I'd crack a beer or a bourbon. And it, I can't, I think I lost some of my identity during that time. And I always say, and I also physically was, was paying the price. I put on what I call my quarantine 15, and thankfully I've taken it off since then. But it was a, it was a time I think a lot of us really learned who we were. And many of us fell and never got up, and some of us fell and got back up to better, being better where we in, in a better position than we were before the the whole process started. So, thank you for sharing that, Doug. You, yeah, you've you're, been you've you're been talking welcome. about the alignment model, and I think my audience is probably sitting at the edge of their seats wanting to know a little bit more about that. Can you share with us the alignment model so my the listeners can understand a little bit more? Yeah, sure. And you know, I'll preface that by saying the most effective people. I, I know the most effective leaders I know live in alignment and on purpose. And so I'll talk about what that means. Um, and, and by the way, you were talking about, um, leadership and, and, um, role modeling. And I, I, you know, I I don't want to break it to your audience, but I, I imagine most of them have figured this out, but we are all, role models mm-hmm. we you, you know so you don't get to not be the, the, the only thing you get to decide is what kind of role model you want to be 
you are a role model. You are an influencer. And my own definition of, of leadership is leadership is that which one does to influence the behavior of another. And, and leadership and management are not the same thing. Leadership is about people. Management is about things. I manage things. I lead people. All of us are leaders because all of us influence people. Now, we are also all followers because all of us are also influenced by people uh, you know, and by things. I'm influenced by that which I read. I'm influenced by that which I watch. I'm influenced by my environment. I'm influenced by who I hang out with. Those are the influences in my life. And the most effective people uh, actually choose. They are selective on the influences. And you talked about it. Rather than read 18,000 books, maybe you read 10 books 18,000 times. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you really gain a depth of understanding. So you're choosing those books to be influences in your life. So one of the best ways to become a better leader is to become a better follower. And so I get to pick, I can choose to be influenced by Brian Bosley. All of your listeners have chosen to be influenced by you and by the guests you bring on. And all of your listeners, every one of them, 100% of them, are influencing somebody else. And so you, the listener, I, the speaker, we are all influencers and we are all influenced. The most effective influencers, the most effective leaders live in alignment and on purpose. So what does that mean? It's a three frame model. So I'll just describe it. People can write it down if they want. Uh, And I'm going to go from left to right. On the left side, just put a little box, a little rectangle. And on the top of that box, write the word ideal self. All of us have an ideal self. And ideally, we're all pretty wonderful. Our ideal self is the person that uh, is principle-based using Covey's language understands their their values and lives in alignment with them. So in that box, we put principles and values. And then in the middle box, at the top of that box, uh, and you mentioned the acronym, so I'm going to use it here, write the initials W-D-Y, W-F-Y. Witty, Wiffy is how that's pronounced. What do you want for yourself? And in the box, write the words goals and purpose. And then in the far right box, at the top of that box, write the words real self. So the first box is ideal self. The third box is the real self. And in that box, write the words thoughts emotions, and actions. My thoughts are real. My emotions are real. My actions are real. My physical experience is real. I'm not talking right or wrong. I'm simply talking real. Now, the most effective influencers, the most effective leaders, the most effective role models think what they need to think do what they need to do regardless of how they feel so that they can achieve their goals, honor their sense of purpose, consistent with their principles and values, with the principles that guide them and their personal values. And principles are universal truths. uh, And as Covey would say, they essentially represent true north. These are human principles. They apply to humankind, regardless of gender, 
ethnicity, location on the globe, or religious belief. All of that, there are principles. And when Fred Keel and I wrote Moral Intelligence, we were making the business case for moral principles. Uh, Fred Luskin uh, wrote a book called Forgive for Good. One of our principles is forgiveness. And his he makes the health case for forgiveness. And, of course, there's many that can make a, a social case, a religious case, but we make a business case. And we identify four principles that exist. And, and the way we – and I won't get into how we came up with these four uh, unless people have a question, they're certainly welcome to contact me and I'd be happy to respond. But integrity, responsibility are two principles of the head and compassion and forgiveness are two principles of the heart. And so we need to align. And, and when I was drinking too much, I was out of alignment with with my own sense of integrity. I've always considered myself to be a highly uh integrous person and uh and yet i i would when i'm drinking too when i was drinking too much i i would lie about you know did you have a drink no i didn't you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. and 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 i was out of alignment uh and i was not being responsible for myself i wasn't accepting my i have to be responsible so uh, fortunately, I, I I have been able to forgive myself. And by the way, listeners might enjoy this. Amongst other things, forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. So if if you are still trying to improve your past, I encourage you to give it up. Uh, you will not be able to improve your past. So I forgive myself for my past. And I hold myself accountable for my present. I am shaping my tomorrow with what I do today. If you want to understand your current condition, whatever physical condition, mental condition, financial condition, if you want to understand your current condition, look into your past behaviors. If you'd like to predict your future condition, look into your present behaviors. And if you'd like the future to look different than your present behavior suggests they will be, your condition will be, then the the solution is to change your behaviors in the present. We behaved our way into being the person we are right now. And if we want to become a better person, which there is no end to better, then we're going to have to continually make changes. So I have to continue to make the changes necessary in my behaviors today to be the person I want to be, ideally. So the most effective people live in alignment and on purpose. My purpose is to help myself and others achieve our highest and greatest potential. Why did I accept this opportunity to be on on your podcast? The answer is twofold. One, I have respect for you and everything that you've been doing these last years and that you've continually have reached out and have shared things with me and I've benefited from it. And the other is I want to be of service. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing right now with you is I am living in alignment and on purpose. What I am doing is both purposeful, I'm doing it on purpose, and it's with a purpose. My purpose is to help myself and all of the people who are listening help myself and others achieve our highest and greatest potential. And there is no end to better. So we will get there Closer, 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 and we will see there's better. I can get better. I'm 70. I'm excited about being 70. I'm looking forward more than ever to being 80 because I can't wait to see how much I will grow in the next 10 years. I mean, I, I don't. So think, that's the alignment model. 
I don't thank you, Doug. I don't think I have to capsulate what you said. I think that right there is what you said is is so powerful that I'm just going to simply say to the audience, go back and listen to this section when I asked Doug, listen to it all again, but listen to this one more than once, twice, three times when we asked when I asked him to describe the alignment model. This is life changing wisdom right here. I do have one question, Doug. You had said the four principles, the principles of the, of the head are integrity and re, uh, responsibility. Re, yeah. Principles of the heart are, com, was it compassion? And I missed the other one. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Okay. I love the statement. Forgiveness is about giving up all hope for a better past. Yes. And that's so well, freeing for people. People get stuck in the past and they can't uh, forgive themselves or they can't forgive somebody else. Uh, and by the way, the primary beneficiary of the forgiveness process is the forgiver, not the forgivee. Right. I agree. I, for the audience out there, I'm going to put this in text form at the base of the podcast so you'll have it also in written form. But I think you can you can research this on your own. I Looking at Doug's book, Moral Intelligence, or just Doug or, or, or Google Doug Linick, go to Think to Perform. Just start researching this because this is the first time, Doug, and this is my 38th episode, my second one today uh, recorded podcast. I've never gone on to three pages of notes. So I had to turn a page over to write the alignment model on. So I think the audience is going to be uh, wanted to do a great deal more research than uh, than just listening today. And I'm going to truly, truly uh, propagate that concept of them doing more research. Doug, you know, you with all the things you've done, you're, you're at 70 now, looking forward to 80. You've coordinated with, I mean, the heads of the of the industry with Stephen Covey, Jim Collins, uh, Daniel Goldman. Uh, these are, you know, people that have written books that have changed the world. And I've read every one of the books I've built to last, good to great, notional intelligence. Obviously, he's got many of Covey's books. What's next for you? Well, actually, interestingly enough, I am about to sign uh, my um, agreement with uh, the publisher for my most recent book that I co-authored with uh, Chuck Lockendorfer. Um, and that's exciting. And so I'm doing that. I have, in fact, I have it right, right here. The contract is sitting, I'm in my, I'm holding it in my hand right now. <laughs> and the, the title of the book is don't wait for someone else to fix it. Don't. That's the, that's the title. Don't wait for someone else to fix it. And the subtitle is Eight Essentials for Enhancing Your Leadership Impact at Home, at Work, Home, and Anywhere Else that Needs You. When will that be published? Um, actually, that'll be interesting because I, I signed this and then I the book is written and uh, my publisher will be Wiley. They published the uh, the last book, Leveraging Your um, Financial Intelligence, and they will publish this book. And I and Wiley's a great publisher. I'm sure many people have read many of the books published by Wiley. Chuck Wachendorfer is my co-author. My collaborative writer is continuing to be Kathy Jordan. She's she captures my voice and in this case our voice uh, really well. And, uh, and we, we've been working on this for the last several years and, and, and the process of working on this book and the process of revisiting everything that I know about dealing with me has been hugely helpful to me in these last couple of years. And I've been on a great growth spurt. So it's kind of exciting to be in 70 in your early seventies and, and be on a growth spurt. I'm not getting taller and I'm not even getting heavier, I, I will say. So <laughs> you, I actually had to go out and buy a bunch of a new, new, new sports coats because I'm, I'm uh, losing some weight. That, so that's not, a nice problem. Not a, yeah, not a bad way to spend money when you're 70 or not a bad way to spend money no. anytime when you're getting more fit. Well, for the audience out there to let you know, August 25th at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time, I will be interviewing Chuck Wachendorfer himself on the Bamboo Lab podcast. So that episode will be aired sometime in late August. So we'll be looking forward to hearing his wisdom as well. 
I want to share one more story, Doug, that I, I you probably heard me say this if you listen to the Bill Williams podcast, but in some of the audience, the returning yeah. audience has heard, but <laughs> this story was what made me really look at Doug from a completely different perspective and in such a higher light of respect and credibility. I was a very young training manager out of Livonia, Michigan, and Doug was a legend. And when he ever, whenever he visited our market group in the Detroit region, it was a buzz. And, you know, you could just tell, hey, Doug Lennox in the market group. And oh, he's, I think he's going to be in my office this afternoon. I heard he's going to be up here, you know, tomorrow. And, and it was a particular Tuesday. I think it was a Tuesday that for some reason that, that date sticks in my head that day. And I was training. I think I had 28 new advisors. I was a brand new training manager, district manager. I can't remember. I was 27 years old or so. And we were in the Livonia office training room and I was doing my morning two hour, whatever it was, training on sales and marketing. And somebody came in and said, you have to leave Doug Lennox in the, in the building. He's you, he needs this room. And I thought, oh my goodness. So we start gathering up our stuff and I, you know, I, I said, okay, everybody start marching out, go back to your cubes. We'll figure this out. And you walked in as I was walking out and you had a, a, a handful of people with you and you said something to the fact that where are all you people going? I said, well, we were told we have to leave. You needed the training room or the or the conference room, we called it. And you said, no, wait a minute. You guys go back in there. You guys are the ones doing the work and making the money. We'll find a smaller room. And we did. We went back and filtered back in. And you went, you and your team went and found a smaller conference room in the, in the building. And I, I couldn't believe that. That was 27 or 28 years ago. And that story and that memory has stuck with me, Doug, since – and I've told so many people – whether in private coaching or in just personal conversations or in some of my speaking engagements, that to me is leadership. Because at that moment, you turned from being a guru icon legend to a man of the people who really gets it. And when I shared that story with Bill Williams, he's the one who said, you know, Doug is just a true man of character. And so I want to thank you for that because that made me a better man and a better leader as that story has filtered through my brain so many thousands of times over the past 20 some years. Well, well, thank you. That's, uh, I, I like that story. That's, that's a nice story. I, yeah, it's a, I'm humbled by hearing that. So yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Doug, the last question I'll ask, is there any question that I didn't ask that you would like me or I should have, or is there any final message you want to leave with the Bamboo Pack, Bamboo Lab audience? Um, no, I mean, you, you're, I can understand why you've, uh, attracted such a, a large following all over the world. You're, you're great. I, I, you didn't leave any questions, uh, on the table that I was thinking about. I mean, I, um, uh, I, I will say it's more of a repeat than anything else, but I would say to all of your listeners that our opportunity uh, to pursue the potential that is within us uh, is, is very, very real. And as you think about yourself and you think about others, I have next to me, uh, I'm actually holding it right now, one of my colleagues, Dave Meldahl, who works with... Um, think to perform and he works out of Bozeman, Montana. He gave me this was um, that we used to pan a fire. And one of my thoughts about the bellows, one of the reasons I've used that as a metaphor is when I meet people. So when I meet the Brian Bosley's of the world or the Dawson Bosley's of the world, um, or anybody, I am looking, I am looking into their chest cavity and I am looking for a flame. And that flame to me represents potential and goodness. And everybody has both. We have goodness and we have potential to be better. And I consider it an honor to be the bellows. There are two ways to get at that flame. It might even just be a, a, a little burning ember. The flame might not even be burning. 
But just like I would with a fire, I'm going to fan that ember until it breaks into a flame. And then I'm going to keep fanning that flame until it consumes the body. So as it relates to oneself, fan your flame, be your own bellows and be the bellows to those that you have an opportunity to influence. Look for what's good and look for their potential. Two ways to get at the flame. One is to fan it. The other way is to beat up the rest of the body. And that's what a lot of unfortunate people are, are experiencing, is they're experiencing somebody else beating up the bad part of them, thinking if I beat the bad out of you, the good will come out. And that doesn't work. That has a snuffing out effect. So if I beat up your body, it'll snuff out that flame that you have. But if I fan it, the flame will grow. So it's a different way to look at our role in dealing with ourselves and our role in dealing with others. I'm just trying be to be the bellows. Be the bellows. All right, I'm writing this down. You know, it's interesting. Every time I do a podcast, Doug, within the words of the of the guest, I find a podcast uh, title for that episode, and I I don't know which one I'm going to choose now. So you made me di- you made my job a little more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad I, you've made my job simple and easy. <laughs> and by the way, sim- simple and easy are not synonyms. So, uh, it, it, so a lot of things are simple and not yet easy. Uh, but this was simple and easy. Well, thank uh, you and, so much. And it's they're they're not the same. A lot of a lot of the simplest things are the hardest things. You know, and one of my mentors, who you mentioned and dedicated this show to, Roy Gear. Um, used to tell me all the time, uh, he said, there are three levels of understanding, Doug. There is simplistic, there is complex, and there is profoundly simple. And until you get to profound simplicity, it's not very useful. And so I endeavor to simplify things on the other side of complexity. And that's what I hope to do. And I hope I've accomplished at least a little bit of that with uh, your listeners today. I can honestly share, I believe, knowing that my listeners and the, the heart letters that continue to flood in, that this is exactly what you did today. I know you did it for me. And I have to say that 29, 30 years ago, sitting there and listening to you speak in Chaska, Minnesota, and getting that little cassette, Daybreak with Doug, that I never would have dreamed that 30 years later I was getting a more advanced version of Daybreak with Doug and I was getting it live talking to you person to person. So my friend, I can't thank you enough. You have been an inspiration to me. And I literally mean that through your writings and your words and your follow through on my my accountability team each week and just being able to follow you on social media. And, and I just thank you for being the man that you are. Well, hey, thank you for being the man you are, the person you are. And thanks to all your listeners. And, and our vision as a firm at Think to Perform is to enhance the world. And I really value people like yourself, Brian, who are endeavoring to enhance the world. And to the extent we made a little bit of a difference today, that's a wonderful thing because the world can use our help. I agree. Don't wait for somebody else to fix it. We'll sleep better. <laughs> we'll both sleep better tonight, Doug. I know I will. Can I speak to you? you. I know you have a couple of, I know you have to go, but do you have 60 seconds when we, after the recording for us to do a wrap up off air? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to wrap up. So Doug, again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being such an amazing guest. And I literally mean amazing on the Bamboo Lab podcast. Well, thank you so much, Brian. It was really an honor. For all of you audience out there, thank you again for tuning in to the Bamboo Lab podcast. I'm going to say it like I do every week. Please get out there and sculpt your life. Each day, strive to be a better version of yourself. Show love and respect to others. And get out there and live consciously and intentionally. I appreciate you all.